Life in Sense with Joe Barrett and Odette Toilette. On this episode of Life in Sense, we are speaking to best-selling novelist S.J. Watson. When I write, I try not to just talk about what people can see and what they can hear. I try to talk about what they can smell. Because I think smell is sort of neglected in, in writing often. People will talk about every other sense, it seems, sometimes, and not what people are smelling. Scent is such a trigger for memory, you know. You can, it, it really can take you right back. His novel, Before I Go to Sleep, was winner in the Best Crime category at the Galaxy National Book Awards, has been translated into 30 languages, and is set to be made into a film. It is released in paperback at the beginning of next year. S.J. Watson, who has a keen interest in scent, particularly fragrances, started by telling us about the smells that take him back to childhood. It's kind of an appropriate time of year, I think, to be thinking about this, because I've been thinking about scents and scents through my life, and one scent that really takes me back to childhood is actually bonfire night. I was, you know, it, it's really evocative. I mean, the smells are kind of so complex, I think, especially on, on Bonfire Night itself, on the 5th. You know, you've got kind of obviously smoke, but then you've got the smell of the fireworks and um, you know, that kind of sulphury, sort of not particularly pleasant, but quite sharp smells. And um, But also the kind of, I remember the food of Bonfire Night. We always used to go to my aunt's house for Bonfire Night parties and she'd light a fire and we'd have fireworks and put our fireworks in a tin box and all those kind of things, you know. And we'd have pop, uh, popcorn and we'd have um, candy floss. And But particularly, the one smell in particular I remember is baked potatoes done in the oven. I just remember when you would kind of open the tin foil and then put the butter on and all those kind of smells really kind of take me back to childhood. So I think that just recently I've, I've been kind of thinking of that a lot. One of the earliest smells I remember actually being struck by, and it's a real cliche, but I, it's, I do remember it, is being outside a bakery in Torquay and the smell of baked bread. I don't know if that was the first time I really noticed a, a smell or, or, or what it was, but that, that's a, it's not a general smell of bakeries, it's a particular... You know, I can, I can, I can, ima- I can picture it and imagine being there. there was, but there was nothing particularly significant that happened there. There wasn't a, a particular moment. I wondered, was Torquay where you went on holiday? Yeah, o- often. Um, well, actually, no, we, we, we stayed in Brixham, which I don't know if you know, but it's a fishing village near Torquay. And so we stayed in Brixham, but we'd go to, Tor- to Torquay itself on sort of day trips. And actually, that's an, another interesting smell when I think about it, is the smell of the sea, you know, fish and all that kind of because Brixham is a fishing village so all those kind of smells are also really evocative of that particular period of my life and it was all we also used to it was camping so there's also canvas and usually burnt sausages because you're cooking on a kind of calagas um, stove so all those kind of things but yeah Torquay was my holiday our holiday destination when I was growing up you know there's also kind of Christmas as I, I mean I, remember, I was thinking about Christmas and every year at Christmas my mom would have a perfume. And one in particular, I remember, was Poison. I can't remember who it's by now, actually. Uh, it's. Um... I think it's Edward Fletcher. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember, because it's still available now, although I think it's changed. That, but that smell, I do associate with, um, with kind of Christmas particularly, but growing up generally in my mom. My mom's an interesting case when it comes to perfume, actually, because she can't wear it. But she wears it, but it just doesn't last on her. She told me this, and I was like saying, but you know, after a while you can't smell it yourself, but other people still can. But it's true, it doesn't last, you know, she, she can sort of tip it all over and it just does, just goes. Even poison? Even poison, yeah. Actually, maybe she should revisit poison, maybe that's the one. But uh, <laughs> but my dad's also interesting, because there isn't a particular smell that's associated with my dad, because he doesn't have a sense of smell. Um, he had um, operations on his nasal passages, I think he had polyps, when I was quite young. So for the last, I don't know, 
30 years probably, he's had no sense of smell. So he doesn't wear kind of anything, any perfumes or aftershaves or anything like that. Does that kind of affect what his environment smells like and the kind of, I mean, because he must not just not be aware of it? Not in an obvious way, no. I mean, only um, as much as he, he, he eats really strongly flavoured food because obviously, you know, the sense of smell being so closely associated with, associated with the sense of taste. So, you know, quite often he, he I, I remember as I was growing up, suddenly he, de- he, he developed interesting, really strong, like Vesta curries, just... And of course, looking back, I didn't know why suddenly because we we weren't we didn't have particularly exotic tastes as I was growing up. It was um, much more mundane than that. And he just developed this obsession about these curries. And looking back, of course, now it's because he could taste them, probably I imagine. And everything else must have been quite bland to him. But no, it's not. It's not like his his. Uh, well, he he has a partner, so she, I think she makes sure that the place smells nice and <laughs> and things. But no, there's no obvious way in which it kind of manifests itself. Other than a love of very strong food, strongly flavoured food. I mean, the funny thing with me and smell is it, it wasn't really that important to me for a long time. I kind of grew up, and and I suppose you know we had a bottle of Old Spice in the bathroom when I was growing up, but that was kind of years old. In my family, especially scents that you bought, so aftershaves and perfumes, they just didn't figure really, apart from the poison at Christmas and, um, and you know, and the old spice was never worn because probably because my dad couldn't smell it, so so why would he? It, it, they just didn't figure, and so um, it was really only a special occasion thing that, that my mum would put perfume on. So a smell was kind of something I came to quite late in life, really, in terms of develop, developing a kind of interest or fascination with it. I started to notice smells, I suppose, when I moved to London, in fact, really, and everybody was wearing John Paul Gaultier. That was my first one that everybody was wearing it. It just was everywhere. And even now, I, you know, you still catch people occasionally, but very rarely, actually, do I ever... But it's, it's almost like my brain is tuned into it, or my, my nasal passages are tuned into it, and people can be half a mile away, it feels like, and I can smell Jean-Paul Gaultier. I don't, don't dislike the smell, although it's, it's just like something you're so used to that it becomes kind of such a cliche almost. So I would never wear it now. Yeah, that's kind of one of the first ones, really, that I became sort of... Cause it's quite a complex one as well, isn't it? So, what sort of um, what sort of time are we talking? Well, that was probably when I first moved to London, so it would have been, I suppose, about nineteen ninety-five. So I was no, I was not a teenager by any means then. <laughs> I was in my early twenties. But I think, especially on the gay scene, then uh, yeah, it's just everywhere. Everybody wore. It reminds me a little bit of um, um, there's a book, um, the Swimming Pool Library, by Alan Hollinghurst, and he talks about this this uh, aftershave trouble for men. And I think I don't know whether what the timescale is like of when it was written and when Le Mail came out, but it was almost like Le Mail was the the real life version of of uh, Hollinghurst trouble for men. Everybody was wearing it. But lots of people we've been interviewing have obviously live in London, and a lot of people have moved to London. Mm. So the smells people associate with moving to London mm. are quite interesting, and they're also quite varied. I mean, mm. a, apart from the Mail, is there is there anything else that comes to mind when you think of the newness of London yeah well I suppose it was that whole kind of it coincided with me with with kind of starting to go out to kind of clubs and bars and things so a lot of it was this this kind of aftershave or eau de toilette you know and um (laughs) and then the smell of clubs which again I mean one thing one smell I really love is dry ice and I remember, yeah, that's, so that's actually really I really associate with coming coming to London, going to clubs where they had dry ice and that kind of slightly, you know, you wouldn't, it's, I, I think it's a nice smell, but lots of people think it's not. And again, I say that's a smell of dry ice, but of course it's not. It's a smell that they must add to the dry ice to make it, you know, vaguely pleasant. 
So I suppose that's a smell of that I associate with moving to London. And then, you know, there's there's also that that smell in London, isn't it, that you don't really notice until you've been away for a few days and then you come back and you think actually London does smell differently, kind of. And I suppose that's pollution uh, that you're smelling. So it's pollution and dry ice and Le Mail, I would say, are my three London smells. <laughs> My day job used to be um, working with hearing impaired people and I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune to smell it, but if you smell somebody with an ear infection really close up, it's the most disgusting smell. It really is awful. And um, I remember I was once uh, testing this um, elderly lady who had an ear infection, although I didn't know she had an ear infection until I got right by her ear to look into her ear with the um, the oroscope. And it just, it was just, I... I you know, I almost retched and it was just really, really horrible smell. And it's like, it's almost like that opened some kind of pathway in my olfactory senses because now, even now, and this was years and years ago, and, and the reason I associated with London in a way is because it was my first job when I moved to London. But even now, years later, if I get on the tube, for example, um, if anybody in the same carriage has an ear infection, I can smell it. I don't need to be near them at all. I can, ju- I just know, and it's and it's one of those smells that you, it's just horrible. It's indescribable. It's um, it has this horrible. It just yeah, I can't describe it. No, it's just it's no, it's just nauseating. Yeah, I mean that's it. It it, it does. I can't, I can't compare it to anything other than it's one of those things that just smells of itself. It's just this nauseating ear infection smell. Are there any other smell related? memories from that period in your life apart from ear infections well there's also there's a particular there's a particular material that we use to make ear molds which is the part of the hearing aid that people that fits inside the ear and that that has this kind of lemony smell which again i used to really like but then using it every day for however many years you just it it ends up just associating it with the office and work so i got to the point with that that i would have to wash it off my hands before I could kind of function again. So there's that that kind of other. It's another smell which kind of very strongly associate, I associate with work um, and with my kind of day job, my NHS work. It's interesting because the smell of hospitals. I remember when I was growing up, when my parents would uh, one or other of my parents would be in hospital. That hospital seemed to have a particular smell, and I don't think they have that anymore. Um, and I don't know if it's because. I'm used to it, or if they just don't smell the same. But um, my mom, for example, is horrified that, well, she, she's really surprised that I can work in a hospital with the smell that hospitals have, and I tell her that they don't have that smell anymore. So that's another kind of interesting one. So when did you start to get into fragrance? Well, that was interesting. I, I met a friend, and this was, you know, relatively recently, within the, within the last 10 years, really. And um, and I was around this friend's house once, and. His, I think basically, I think his, from memory, his flat smelt really nice. And he had some diptyque candles. It kind of basically, we had a three-hour conversation and he, had, he got out his scent collection. He has a huge and, and ever-growing scent collection. One of the things, he showed me lots of things. One of them was, um, was one of the scents I've chosen, which I, don't, I haven't actually got with me today, but it's um, Nostalgia by um, Santa Maria Novella. It was the first time I kind of had, I smelt, because I was very used to heist, what you might call high street scents, you know, so it would be the kind of, the, the one, the, the, my friends, and I, uh, and when I did have aftershaves for Christmas, I would just choose the very obvious, you know, ones that were advertised on the television, basically. And, but, and this was the first time that I really smelt something that had a whole kind of story to it. It had a beginning and a middle and an end, and, and... And smelt, and Andrew was, you know, explaining to me about um, its top notes and 
mid notes and the bass notes and all that kind of thing. It was absolutely fascinating. I never thought of perfume in that sense or in that way before. And, you know, and the history behind it as well. And the fact it's, you know, he said it was inspired by a particular race, I think, motor, um, you know, um, motor car race. And um, and then I smelt it and it was all this kind of leather and, and, and oil. And it really did smell like an engine or the, with like a car. And, and it was fascinating. And that kind of really awoke this this fascination in me of how actually my my view of smell particularly smells that you buy and wear had been very very narrow incredibly narrow and there was so much more out there that I hadn't even begun to explore and I still feel like you know I'm a, I'm a novice really you know I still you know I don't know a great deal about them but I I'm, I've kind of been enjoying that discover that journey of discovery so that was the kind of smell for me that really took my interest to a different sort of level was was um, nostalgia. Have you got maybe something you brought with you that we could? The next one in, on my list actually is this one. It's, um, it's called Vinegar de Toilette, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's the um, diptyque one. I've only got a little sample here. The bottle it comes in doesn't have a doesn't have a sprayer, so I always try I um, decant to one of these. So yeah, we've got I've got loads of it. But this is a really interesting kind of one because um, I was um, in Paris not long after having this conversation with my friend about and the diptyque candles and he, you know, we also smelt some of his diptyque scents and I and I decided that when I went to Paris next I would go and visit the um the store the diptyque store on um, Boulevard Saint-Germain and um so there's two friends and we spent hours in there just smelling absolutely everything and it was it was uh, you know really um because these two friends also hadn't really been exposed to different kind of scents they were very much had quite a narrow view of scent and so we would we, the three of us were just and and also I love the fact that the, the the woman in there was you know incredibly glamorous French lady who who delighted in in taking us on this kind of olfactory journey and asking us what kind of things we liked and oh you might like this you might like the other and all these kind of things but one of the things that I tried on I was the vinegar de toilette and I absolutely hated it I smelled it in the bottle and I hated it but I thought I'll try it on my skin so I sprayed some on and I, I was like, no, I don't like this at all. But we left the store and about half an hour later, I smelled it again and thought, this, I've got to go back. It was almost, you know, the Patrick Suskin novel of perfume where it's so powerful that you just feel compelled to do something, this, a scent or a smell. And I, was, I felt compelled to go back and buy this scent. Um, so Vinegar de Toilette is one of my favourites. And I kind of, it's a bit awkward really because my partner loathes the smell of vinegar. And can't get past the initial kind of because it, it does smell of malt, almost of malt vinegar when you first kind of open the bottle and and, and put it on. But um, I love the way it kind of dries down to this very nice kind of base. I mean, I always like trying. To, I always kind of describe scents as kind of being dry or smooth, and, I, and it almost it's so difficult to describe a scent. All you can really do is compare it to something else, you know. And I think at the moment I've just sprayed it on a couple of minutes ago, and it. I mean, it does kind of mostly smell of vinegar, but al already it's kind of the vinegariness is kind of the sharpness, I suppose, is disappearing, um, which I which I kind of like the fact that it doesn't last very long. It's just a kind of hit of this sharp, vinegary kind of acidic sort of smell, and it almost smells like for me of kind of almost like a meadow or grass or something, but with something else. It's more interesting than that. It has a sweetness to it, which I really like. Almost like bubble gum. It's like, it's like lying in a meadow chewing bubble gum. I mean, I suppose, I suppose to an extent, really, it'll always remind me of that weekend in Paris. Go 
going kind of chronologically. I'm going to turn the pace. Away. Yeah, the next one, the one that I really like, this became, this is a, a sad story, I think, in a way, because basically I discovered, well, I didn't discover them, but I, I went in and I saw these bottles, and they're, they're plastic bottles with kind of garbage bags in the middle of them. And it's a Comme des Garçons series, which is uh, synthetics. And I think there were six or maybe five, and they were called, one was called Sky and one was called Tar. And I was intrigued by them because they really did smell of, the, the tar really did smell of tar, you know, uh, like roadworks, uh, and it was incredible. And I, I loved two of them. The first one was this one, Garage, which I bought. I think I bought Garage first because I just loved the smell. It does smell of a garage. It does smell of kind of oil and... It just smells exactly like you would expect if you took your car into, into a kind of... I'm not going to smell it, actually, for reasons I'll... Exp I open it and spray it for reasons I'll explain in a minute. You know, it really kind of did make me... Take me back to those kind of oil and grease and kind of... Um, yeah, like a mechanic mending a car. Um, and I loved it, but I can't wear it, which is quite quite upsetting in a way. It's just... It, it, it kind of... I don't know what it is, but it gives me a headache. And I associate... <laughs> I actually went for a job interview and I thought I was wearing this other synthetic one, which I absolutely love, which I'll come on to, but I wasn't. I was wearing Garage. I, I picked the wrong bottle from my cupboard and sprayed the wrong thing on. And I swear, even now, I think that's why I didn't get that job because I was wearing the wrong scent and I was constantly distracted by the fact I smelt of a garage and had a slight headache. I, lo I absolutely love it, but it was my... It was the f I suppose it was one of the first times I was ever confronted by a smell that I adore, as in a, a scent that you may buy and wear, that I adore and love to smell but can't wear. A whole collection of those, and they're like a opera, they occupy a special place in my cupboard. But this one is my absolute favourite, I, I think, smell of all time, and it's um, it's from the same range of synthetic, it's called Dry Clean. And as you can see, there's the, the, the garbage bag inside the plastic bottle, is all, it looks almost empty because you can't buy it anymore, and I'm really upset. It was my kind of... I suppose signature scent is a little bit of a, of, a, of a odd way of describing it, but it was the the scent I would wear if I was, if I wanted to feel confident. I, I just felt I really loved it, and it, I felt it suited me. And and you know, I'd go to places and they'd go, "Oh, that's really nice. What are you wearing?" And that, oh, that kind of stuff is really nice when people do that. And and it does smell like dry cleaning. It does have that kind of soapy, but also quite chemically. I think the thing is about lots of so lots of um, perfumes, particularly you know the more ordinary in inverted commas ones they smell basically of soap don't they they're, they're sweet and they're kind of clean and they're very fresh and and i like these because they're not that at all and this really i'm going to spray a little bit but i you know i'm not even going to spray it i'm just going to smell the bottle <laughs> it, it does smell sweet and clean but in a very kind of artificial way which i i really like and that i mean it does that does take me back to that particular period when i was wearing all the time which is probably up until i don't know maybe three years ago it kind of reminds me a little bit as well of, of um, after it's been raining, that kind of ozone-y sort of smell. I wish they'd make it again because I'd love to wear it. But um, I've, I'm just saving it. I, I had my civil partner, we had our civil partnership earlier this year and I got that one out and that was the thing I wore. That was, that was the last time I wore it. <laughs> the, another scent I wanted to mention was one I can't actually, another one I can't actually wear, which is Secretia Magnifique. This seemed like another another step on from just a perfume that was complex, but also was almost designed. It felt almost designed to be difficult and to be and to be divisive, I suppose. And it smells of the stuff it's supposed to smell of. You can you can detect everything in it that that is in there. You know, you can detect the sweat and you can detect the. I mean, especially the blood. For me, the smell of blood is is definitely there. It's not just a metallic smell. It's particularly a smell of blood. 
and and so and I I just love it because it's just sort of naughty, you know. But I I don't think I could wear it. <laughs> maybe I should try. I don't know and see what happens. But um. I think the listeners are going to have to be a bit more explicit to maybe describe the scent. It's kind of the smell of sex, really, isn't it? And but particularly sperm. I mean, it does it does have that smell of sperm. Um, it's got an adrenaline accord in it and mm. this bloody note, mm. but also a milky note. Mm. So it's almost like you can feel it curdles or something mm. because mm. you've got metallic-y mm. and then milky mm. and then fresh, but then slightly stale mm. as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly complex, isn't it? And it... And it uh, yeah, I, I mean, I defy anybody not to have an opinion on it is the thing. I mean, I've... I've, I've so, you know, let my friends smell it. And they're all kind of, oh, that's really odd, isn't it? You don't wear that, do you? And, of course, the answer is no, I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's one of my favourites because it is just so, yeah, complex and evocative. And, and it isn't the smells that people associate with perfumes. They associate, you know, as we sort of saying earlier, these kind of nice lemony kind of orangey smells. And this is something completely different. So I do I do kind of like that. I suppose the thing is, you know, it's like sometimes you, you know, sometimes you wear clothes to blend in and and not be noticed, and sometimes you wear something that you actually want people to remark on. And I think it's the same with scent, isn't it? You know, sometimes you just want something. I mean, my my day to day scent now is, is um, it's what is it? A blend and bouquet, you know, Penhaligans, and I think that's because that's just sort of it doesn't really do a lot to me. It just kind of it's just there and it hangs around, and nobody's ever gonna. I don't think anyone's ever gonna say, "Oh God, you smell nice today," you know. But sometimes you you actually want to smell wear a scent that people will remark on, and I think Secretion Magnifique would definitely be one that people would probably remark on. <laughs> Although they might just wonder what on earth you've been doing and think I'm not going to mention it because I'd rather not know. And then the other one I actually really like is Vetiver. Just uh, for listeners who don't know what Vetiver is, it's a root. Mm. It's got quite as it's not quite licorice-y, but it's mm. qu- it's it's definitely an earthy, greeny, yeah. sort of twangy smell. I describe mm. it as. Generally, I, I realise Vetiver is actually one of my favourite smells. I was very obvious and, and had the the girl and Vetiver, which I've still got in its box for some reason, um, and I kind of regret that in a way because. Um, as you can see, I don't wear it that often. <laughs> it's 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 nice. I, I, I mean, I love vetiver, but it's just kind of fairly. Um, it doesn't really do anything. It's kind of, you know. And since getting this Guerlain, I mean, I love it. It's great. But um, since since having this, I've realised there are so many more interesting vetivers out there, and I kind of wish I'd I'd held off on the Guerlain a little bit. I'm just going to get another vetiver yeah. that we have here. If you love vetiver, for yeah. you to try. I think this is. Brilliant. Mm. Get ready oh, for this one. This is um, Santa Maria Novella. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, I've just tried the Guerlain on, and this is, I mean, it's very definitely vetiver, but it's very different, isn't it? It has a kind of sweeter, whereas that one, sorry, has a, almost kind of a woody sort of top note, doesn't it? Oh, wow, yeah, that is definitely, um, it's much more complex, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, the, see, the other vetiver, I, I, the one that really I love is, is again, and this is going to sound like an advert for Etat Libre d'Orange, but um, is the fat electrician. I just love that. It's just, again, which is, you know, incredibly complex. What I hadn't realised is, um, obviously, another smell I really love is Apopanax, because I had a, um, a diptyque candle a few years ago, which I absolutely adored. And 
obviously years later I, I fall in love with the fat electrician and then I, re I then I find out today in fact that it's a mixture of vetiver and poponax which I hadn't I think I think my nose isn't sophisticated enough to kind of pick those two apart and say well that's obviously poponax and that's vetiver but it makes perfect sense when I, when I realize how much I like fat electrician that it's got those two smells in it because they're obviously two that really appeal to me um but yeah I also love fat electrician I love I love the you know the whole kind of the story behind it you know it's uh it's a, is it a gigolo in this New York in the 70s who became an overweight electrician? I think it's a great yeah. time. What's the film? Midnight oh, Cowboy? Midnight Cowboy, oh, that's it. Midnight it. Cowboy. Okay, midnight I, yeah. No, I didn't realise it was Midnight Cowboy. So, yeah, so I think Vetiver is, uh, is one of my sense, and at the moment I'm, I have the girl and one, but um, there is, uh, every time I, there's also a Frederick Mal get Vetiver, which I, I think is beautiful. I would have a whole cupboard full, I think, if I could. And just... No, it's it's kind of one of those ingredients which I, I've, I've discovered through trial and error that I really like in perfumes. Um, so yeah, so vetiver is my another one of my favourites. You have recently had your first novel published, mm -hmm. Before I Go to Sleep, which has been translated into many languages now. Yeah. Um, when you wrote it... Mm. Were you actively use it, incorporating the sense of smell? Was that something you were consciously doing? Uh, not initially, actually. I mean, only in as much as I, when I write, I try not to just talk about what people can see and what they can hear. I try to talk about what they can smell and, 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 and taste and feel as well, obviously. But Because uh, I think smell is sort of neglected in, in writing often. People will talk about every other sense, it seems, sometimes, and not what people are smelling, um, or, or unless it's in a very obvious way, you know. Not not initially, other than just to generally try and talk about smell, but then I kind of realised, because the book is, is uh, to an extent at least, is about memory, and it follows a woman who, who has um, no memory, and but then during the course of the book she has flashbacks to, to earlier memories. And it just really kind of struck me that scent is such a trigger for memory, you know, you can, it, it, it really can take you right back there. I mean, even now, you know, if I, if I have, it's not general baking bread but there's there must be particular I don't know what it is but sometimes I can smell baking bread and it takes me right back to Torquay you know and it is very strong so I wanted to kind of incorporate elements of, of smell triggering her memories and there's one in particular uh, which is a, a memory of bonfire and I, I, I kind of I didn't really want to draw attention to it in the book so I just described the smell and then she has a memory I don't say but, I mean, that was what was going on in my head, that memories and smells are kind of... Or rather, smell, memories can be triggered by certain scents and certain smells. You have been listening to SJ Watson's Life in Sense. Listen to all our previous interviews at lifeinsense.com or we are Life in Sense on Twitter. Life in Sense. 